Blog Talk Radio. And hello out there to all your to all you uh, Brooklyn folk. This is the converted Mets fan, Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. And um, uh, today uh, we have a, a first on our show. Uh, Wednesday we're actually going to have a regular uh, Ron Schweiger who is the uh, Brooklyn Borough historian, and he's a favorite of the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. But today, we have a newbie, though a veteran of the armed forces as well as Brooklyn. And today, though currently in Jersey, we are heading all the way out to Garrison Beach near the Sheepshead Bay section of Brooklyn, and we are welcoming Bob Catherwood, the premier authority on Garrison Beach history, to the show. Bob, welcome to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate being here. And uh, so let's, before we get to Garrison Beach, I actually wanted to mention, of course, today is December 7th, uh, the anniversary of the uh, Pearl Harbor bombings. And, and what's so interesting, Bob, um, is that on that day, the Dodgers were playing the Giants, but not the Dodgers and the Giants that everybody uh, uh, <laughs> thinks about. These are the Brooklyn football Dodgers and the New York football Giants, one of which still exists today. Uh, and uh, who, uh, for the Giants fans uh, around here, unfortunately lost to the Jets yesterday, my Jets. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, it, it's interesting. It, it's such an interesting little tidbit to that day that uh, uh, the Dodgers and the Giants were playing each other, but on the football side of things, Bob. Yes, yes, it is. And also I'd like to uh, have a shout-out to uh, our greatest generation, uh, these guys went over there and uh, they did away with the, the Japanese and the Germans. And we are still the great power that we, we were, or hopefully we are, uh, that they left us. And uh, these people now, most of them are gone. But when I go to the VA hospital, I get to see uh, some of these uh, fellows, and they're in their 90s now. Most of them are in their 90s. And I, want, I go up and I shake their hand and I say, God bless you. As you should, and it's uh, it, it, it's uh, great that you also, of course, uh, served your country, and uh, you know we salute everybody who who has. And um, uh, you know you you've lived quite the life, uh, and that's uh, what we're going to go over today. Uh, so Garrison Beach, we haven't actually been out there yet on the Bedford Sullivan podcast in terms of uh, uh, talking to anybody who who's from the region. So. Uh, first off, uh, explain to everybody who's a little bit ignorant exactly where Garrison Beach is. Well, Garrison Beach is a, is a little fishing village. Uh, it's uh, off of uh, Knapp Street near Sheepshead Bay, exit 9 on the uh, Bell Parkway. And it's surrounded by water on three sides. And the only way in is Allen Avenue or Avenue W to Garrison Avenue. And it's weeded on one side called Marine Park. And on the other side of Garrison Avenue, it's all uh, its houses. And then when you get down near the water, you have the Tamaquai Yacht Club, You have, uh, which is uh, uh, an icon. They've been there since 1928. There's docks there. Uh, there's docks all along the water. You can look across and see Knapp Street and boats over there, too. It's, uh, it's a beautiful area to, uh, to live in. I grew up there. I couldn't afford a house in Brooklyn at the time, so I moved out to Staten Island. Well, I moved. I got an apartment, then I moved to Staten Island. But it's uh, it's down in the 
Actually, probably it would call it South Brooklyn, going towards so, Long so Island. Is it, is it technically part of Sheepshead Bay, or is it a completely separate neighborhood entity? Oh, oh no! Don't tell anybody from Garrison Beach they're part of Sheepshead Bay. <laughs> exactly. No, there was all the time. There were fights all the time between Sheepshead Bay and Garrison. Two separate neighborhoods. Two beautiful neighborhoods. I lived in mm-hmm. both of them, and uh, I, I was in Garrison Beach longer, of course. I grew up. 200 feet from the water, I could run out in the morning in my bathing suit to the dock and jump in the water if I wanted to, go fishing. We used to fish till 3 o'clock in the morning with my grandfather. I mean, it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful area. I played stickball every day, baseball every day. Then when it got to be basketball season like now, we played basketball, football. It, it just, uh, we, we, we were on the go all the time. Well, I got I got my uh, the map in front of me right now, and I'm looking across from Garrison Beach. Uh, you have the Coney Island Wastewater Treatment Plant. H- how long has that been there? Do you, do you have any idea? Oh, it was there when I when I lived there. In fact, you would pray if there was a wind, it would be blowing the other way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a project, and the people in the project would blow, the people in that, that sheep's head bay over there on that side of the nap. They prayed that it was blowing my way, you know. No air conditioning. Right. We had to open all the windows. And it, they expanded it. In fact, they had to. You know, there was one building when I lived there. Now they expanded it. It's about, I guess, uh, a good two-and-a-half, three-block radius. And right. it's on okay. both sides. And what's, what's interesting about the entire area, looking at it from the satellite shot, which is so, so remarkable that we can actually do this uh, these days, um, is that around the the Garrison Beach area, including right next to the uh, the wastewater treatment plant, you have uh, plenty of sandlots. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the way I've I've kind of looked at it with um, the Brooklyn Nets taking over, I, I've almost said that um, uh, the sandlots got paved uh, by blacktops, and and basketball kind of became the the uh, official uh, sport of Brooklyn, if you will, but. Clearly, there's plenty of baseball roots in Brooklyn. In fact, it, you know, uh, I believe they had 75 to Manhattan's 25 back in the day when baseball was first getting going. Um, so, obviously, you, you grew up uh, playing Little League. You grew up with the Dodgers. Let's, let's talk about the baseball aspect of your life. Well, when I was about, uh, uh, you know, five, four and a half, I'd say, my grandfather would bring home baseball cards. Every night, he'd stop at the subway on the way home from work. He'd get home about 8 o'clock at night, and he'd eat dinner. And while he was eating dinner, I'd be opening the baseball card, turning the two-pack every night. And from about 51 on, and that was the year, of course, that uh, we blew it to the Giants. Uh, uh, it was a 13-game lead. We still blew it, and we lost the playoff because they were stealing signs. Uh, from the scoreboard and the polo grounds to the coach, back to Bobby Thompson, who knew there was a fastball coming from Ralph Branco, who should have never been pitching. It should have been uh, uh, <laughs> out there, maybe a Paul Erskine or something, you know, or maybe clearly, they should have. Clearly, clearly, you're not still affected by <laughs> No, no. But anyway, uh, you know, the Dodgers were, they were a winner every year, every single year. If they didn't win, they they, they lost by one game. So from 47 to 57, I mean, we had a perennial winner there. 
and, and and more guys on that team, including Gil Hodges, should be in the Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. uh, he was their power guy from 49 to 53, 54. And then Snyder had those five good years from 54 to, to 57. But, you know, it, it's just a matter of, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the team the team itself, the Giants and the Polar Grounds and the Yankees and Yankee Stadium, I mean, Everybody was listening on the radio, or of course, TVs came out in the late forties, and the game started coming on TV. And we, my father, bought a fifteen-inch months TV, which I still have as a conversation piece. Hmm. I found it in his attic, uh, and that TV. I watched more ball games on that TV, but I didn't watch the fifty-five World Series. I couldn't because my grandmother was crippled, and uh, her and my aunt used to watch soap operas. So what I did is when I got out of school, I had my little radio in my ear, a transistor radio. I had the thing in my ear listening to the game. It was like the fourth inning. I ran to my aunt's house on Fane Court in Garrison Beach, and she was listening to something on TV, and she said, what do you want to watch? I said, Aunt Jean, of course, the World Series. And I watched from the fifth inning on. And those those were the thrilling plays when Amaros made that play in left Mm -hmm. field and doubled for McDougal at first base. Uh, he threw the Reese over to Hodges, you know, and uh, and they, of course they put Amaros in for Gillian that that inning, right that inning, the same inning that he caught the ball, and uh, Gillian went to second base, replaced Zimmer, and uh, we had we had such great teams. Oh, I mean we didn't have nine players. We had, I mean the whole roster was good. I had a few guys that were just villains, but you know you had your Amaros that could go in there. I mean, they traded Andy Pasco in 52. He was a good ball player. I don't know why they ever traded him. They're looking for the left fielder, why they ever traded him. Snyder in center and Frillo in right playing that wall. Nobody ever hit that sign, uh, get a suit free. You know that sign on the <laughs> wall? Yeah. Nobody hit it. Not with you. Yeah. yeah, Hodges at first. You know, those infielders weren't perfect. Uh, Cox and Reese and Robinson. They threw the ball a while, but Hodges had big hands. And he used to he used to he used to field anything coming to him. He he had the most range of anybody. Like some years, other guys like Kozuski or Adcock, maybe they led the 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 league in fielding because they were statues. They never they had no range. Gill had range. We so made an error here, yeah, you know. So but Gill could hit. He had four homers in a game a year before he hit for the cycle. I mean that was my favorite play. I guess you could tell. <laughs> But anyway, well, uh, it's, you know, it's 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 certainly sour with me that he's not in the Hall of Fame, and and they they had a, a chance recently to uh, right the wrong, and and you just listen to all the different times that that he uh, hasn't gotten in, and especially the the time where Ted Williams canceled Roy Campanella's uh, vote. That that's that's the one that really sticks to me as as being the uh, the right. 1993, 11 votes. Campy was sick in the hospital. He died later that year. And uh, Williams, who did not like Hodges because Hodges was a more popular manager in Washington, and the fans used to let him know down there in D.C. that uh, they'd rather see Gill manage it than him. Because the, the team went downhill after Ted got there. Gill was bringing mm-hmm. the team up a little, a little, and they made sure Ted, Ted knew it, and he never forgot it. The guy, excuse me, and he he just would uh, none of his veterans committees ever voted Hodges in. Now, what I'm saying now, they changed the committees around, 
they should be a committee from 41 to 60 pre-expansion. Then there should be another hmm. committee, 1961 to about 85. That would be the expansion committee, okay? And then you go from there. Hodges is not up against uh, his peers right now. He's up against Richie Allen, who played in the 60s and 70s. Gil played in the 40s and 50s. So, I mean, you right. run him against it. He's got to be against Minnie Minoso and people like that, you know, people back in the 40s and 50s. Uh, so, I mean, they got to change the committees around and get people in there. Mm-hmm. Today, they didn't vote anybody in uh, on the uh, on the uh, the old committee, and that's a shame, too. But uh, just they're getting tougher and tougher. It, 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 it hurts because there are a lot of guys out there, I think, that are still deserving. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so let's go back to 1955. What was the, uh, you know, you, you're, you're watching it on, on television. You're seeing uh, uh, Johnny Padres jump up and down at the end. Uh, what what was the, the party like in Garrison Beach and, of course, all over Brooklyn? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We were out in the streets yelling and screaming. It was unbelievable. I mean, Hoke jumped. Uh, it was Campy and Hoke. Then Hodges came in and jumped. And after that, I listened for a few minutes, and then I went outside because there was horns beeping. People were yelling and screaming. It was like there was like one Yankee fan to 100 Dodger fans in Garrison Beach. There was one kid, Rocky Galuzzo. If he's listening to this, he was the only Yankee fan on my block. He got all the mantle cards. I signed up for mantle all the time. <laughs> Not thinking about. It. He's probably rich right now, laying down in Florida or someplace with all his mantle cards, you know. But <laughs> he's the only Yankee fan on the block. He was the only Yankee fan on the block. Everybody else was a Dodger fan. My in my household, my father wasn't a baseball fan. My grandfather was a Dodger fan. His other son, my uncle Bill, my godfather was. A giant fan, believe it or not, because he, he was a cop. He was a regular NYPD, and he was stationed at the Polo Grounds in the 40s. So he became more of a, a giant fan, but he rooted for the Dodgers, too. Then my Uncle Pete, he worked at Evansville in the 40s, and he got to know Gil Hodges. He was a special security, you know, a special cop, and he worked over there, and uh, he was a diehard Dodger fan. So between my grandfather and my Uncle Pete, and my uncle Bill, we go to a lot of games. They take me down to see Gil. I have my little uniform, fourteen, and my hat, and we go right down to the gate. And if Gil wasn't around, Pete would yell out to one of the players, "Could you go get Gil?" And Gil would come out and say, "Hey, Pete, how you doing?" They were good friends. They used to go to the track together. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Gil, Gil is in one of the pictures of 1995 Dodger Archives. It's the reprint set of all the Dodger cards from the 50s, or most of the Dodger cards from the 50s. On the cover of that box and, and the packs, my Uncle Peter's there, the guy with the mustache and the hat. He's there, <laughs> and I happened to, happened to find out last year who who took the picture. It was one of the guys at the Brooklyn Dodger site, his father. was he. So obviously Uncle Pete was a friend with his father because it was a picture of Hodges, Erskine, I think, uh, Campanella coming over for a foul ball. And there's Uncle Pete standing up, first row, and not far from this guy that I met on on the Brooklyn Dodgers side, his father was sitting there. And uh, I I seen it from the beginning. Said, My Uncle Pete, Tops wouldn't let me get a picture. But this I finally got the picture from from uh, this man here uh, uh, on the Brooklyn Dodgers side. So. 
there's a lot of nice sites out there too. But uh, yeah, know, they, they, people, the people uh, such as yourself um, with ourgarrettsonbeach.com, you know, you keep the memories alive. Yes, that was that. My me and my friend Jimmy Feta, he started Jimmy. Well, somebody else started, so he started, and then he, of course, he brought me over right away, and he says, Bob, I need he needed help. He couldn't do it himself because he has other things on his on the table too. He does a lot of volunteer work, Jimmy. And anyway, we got all the kids back from the neighborhood. And last year, it's in business now like four years. We did first on online, and then we did it on Facebook. And uh, we got tons of pictures over there. Yeah, a woman started it in 1999, but then it ended about 2005, and then we restarted it again. And we brought pictures over, and then we got our own pictures, people donating, stuff like that. And now uh, we got a very, very good site. And uh, if you want to see pictures of the beach and people down the beach, of, and you know, we last year we had a reunion in September, uh, 2014. All the all the people, uh, all from 40s to 80s, came together. 130 of us at the Tamaqua Yacht Club, right across the street from my old house, and uh, we had a beautiful reunion there, uh, from six at night till 12 at night, and it was beautiful. And that was because of the site. And, and uh, there's also another site there, too, that I run also. It's called Keeps at Bay Memories with me and um, uh, Amy uh, Millage. She she helps me run it. And it's about Sheeps at Bay. So we do that. Amy asked me to start that site, and I did. So uh, she's in oh, there. Cool. She's my helper on that. So it's nice. I so believe my mom... <laughs> I believe I believe my mom is from off of Avenue Z in Coney Island Avenue. I think that was the last place she ever lived in Sheep Shed Bay. Well, we got pictures of, around that area. In fact, we got a trolley going across that bridge there. To, to <laughs> yeah, I, I live. I, well, Avenue Z in Coney Island is not far from uh, from Coney Island Hospital. It's near the car. The, the Carvel is still there, right? On Coney Island Avenue, because that's—I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm like three—I was three years old when I was—I was, I was uh, out that way, and I still have pretty vivid memories of of crossing the streets. And I remember my grandfather—I uh, must have been three or four years old—and the the sign is blinking, "Don't walk," but it's blinking. You know, yeah. you still have a little bit of time. And my grandmother—my my grandmother is going forward, and and both of them were very Brooklyn. Uh, you know, of course, uh, my grandfather. Um, is uh, I believe I believe I don't think he was I I I think he wasn't born here I think he actually came over he might have been a baby on the boat um, uh, and uh, I, I'm I'm blanking exactly what side of the family my grandfather was in terms of Polish or Russian but my my great great grandparents were Polish and Russian either my grandmother or grandfather respectively but I remember he, he's walking across the street. And it's blinking. She's walking across the street and blinking, don't walk. And he's just like, it says don't walk, Rose. It says don't walk. And, and <laughs> those are those are my earliest memories of Brooklyn. And and it's just interesting about baseball and and uh, Brooklyn. Um, I and you were you were talking about listening to your transistor radio. And I, I kind of I you know I I don't uh, have cable, uh, so I'm generally listening to the Mets and then going back and watching them later. And and, and there's something that that kind of keeps me connected to uh, 
the, the golden age of baseball, uh, uh, you know, that, that's really just still alive with uh, all these memories that we're able to, to uh, gather together. Um, but it kind of just makes me feel a little bit more connected listening to Howie Rose and Josh Lewin on the Mets uh, than watching the, the TV, no matter, you know, it's not to say that the SMI folks don't do a fantastic job. Oh, the Mets have the best announcers, whether it be radio or TV. I mean, uh, uh, my friend's a Yankee fan, and he says, I wish we had your announcer type of announcer. Yeah. Uh, they, they are really good. And as far as radio goes, I had a little radio about the size of a, not even the size of a cigarette pack my uncle bought for me because he wanted me to be able to hide it in my pocket. And uh, he taught me good things. He was the cop. <laughs> he, put, <laughs> he, he, he had the earpiece, and what I used to do is put it in my pocket, put the earpiece up through my shirt, come out my collar, into my ear, and I put my hand over my. And teacher would know I'm listening to the game. And then we get out at three o'clock, about the fourth inning, like I said, and I ran six blocks to my aunt's house, and I got to watch the rest of the game. And uh, you were talking earlier about Carrison Beach and. Uh, a lot of fields over there now. They they were given the, the weeded area near the school there. You could probably see that on it. Well, there's good shots also on, that show the Tamaqua over towards the weeds. And we used to hang out in the weeds, shoot rabbits and stuff like that. Not shoot them, but, I mean, you know, bow and arrow. And we over uh, I mean, hey, I hey, never, You know, it's, it, it's a different age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, you know, there's sensitivities out there now. And they had they, they, the fields weren't built yet. They were supposed to build those fields in the fifties. They wound up building them in, in the in the in the uh, in the seventies. And I I want, I played in the little league. That's down near the end, near the water, not far from the water. I played in the little league down there. One little field, antiquated field. You know, we didn't have much money, and uh, down there, and they didn't even have a snack bar. Because they had a guy across the street that used to help us. They used to store stuff over there. It's gotten better now. And then they had the Pony League field. They invented in 1960, and we had a travel team. But we used to play more games on our own. We used to play three, four games a day, either at the Little League or uh, up in the park on hard court. We play hardball. And uh, it's fun talking about it today with my friends that played with me. We'd get about, you know, 18, 20 guys and play ball. It was fantastic, and we play it all the time. No umpires, no nothing. We play honesty, balls and strikes, you know, unless it was an old guy up there that wanted to umpire, you know. But uh, we, we had a great what a great living. I, that was considered. You, you, had, you, had, one, you, had, a, you had a great story. Uh, um, I know. I don't think it happened during the uh, – I think it happened after 57, but regardless, uh, uh, you, you had a great story regarding Little League. Uh, yeah, uh, what happened was uh, I made the majors in 57, the last year the Dodgers were there. And I played all over the place, you know. And then around 59, there was one kid, Billy Holtz. Uh, he, uh, his mother and my grandfather were friends. And back then they used to say they liked the kibitz, you know. They'd throw words at each other, kidding around. Oh, look what he did to him. Look what, you know, look how he struck him out. Or his mother would go, he struck him out. And then my grandfather said, oh, he caught that long fly ball. Well, one day, I'm in my uh, 40 inning. My manager says to me, "See that, see the dirt cut out there? It was, it was an area where there was no grass. It was worn out. Play right there. Billy hits the ball one hop to that area almost every single time. He hit it to me. One hop. I take the ball center field now. 
threw the first. I yelled, Bobby, who's the manager's son at first base, threw the ball on the fly to him. He beat Billy by a step or two. Boy, my grandfather got back at Huffer all the time. He said, oh, he struck him out. He struck him out. He said, look at that. He threw him out from center field. <laughs> and, and, and today I got guys that were played in the game. Eddie Riley, he, he backs it up. He says, the story gets better every time. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's great. So, um uh, yeah, we're we're coming up. We're coming up to five minutes uh, before the uh, the half hour. So anybody listening live, unfortunately, we would get cut off. Uh, so I, I was curious. Let's go uh, back to uh, some of like the details of uh, going to see the Dodgers. So you're all the way out in Garrison Beach, and you got to get to yeah. uh, the corner of Bedford and Sullivan. How would you get there? All right, we'd either we either well, my uncle we we he drive down Park Line right field there. The gas station. I think he knew the owner. He used to just park in there for free. My uncle uh, Bill, um, Uncle Pete would would come over from downtown Brooklyn and meet us. And then my grandfather, if he wasn't working, he would come too. My father very rarely. I went the last game of the Dodgers ever played with my father. But other than that, my father didn't go too much. He wasn't a baseball fan. Then if my grandfather was taking me, we'd go on the uh, we get on the train. We take a bus to Avenue. Get on the bus at Avenue, take it to Prospect Park, and then we take the Franklin Avenue shuttle. And right where we switched there, my Aunt Lizzie, that was my grandfather's sister-in-law, my grandmother's sister, she would look forward. We'd call her ahead the night before and tell her we were going to the ball game. And she looked forward to seeing me. Every time she seen me, she gave me a silver dollar from the 1800s. And <laughs> that's what I remember about Lizzie. And then you, when you got off the train on the Franklin Avenue shuttle, you smelled the barn bread. You knew you were close, and we walked downstairs, and we walk over to Ebbets Field. So that it was, it was really we we uh, with the car we'd go down Bedford, straight down Bedford Avenue, and with mm-hmm. the train we you know the two trains over the bus and the two trains. But uh, no matter which way you went, it was great. I mean, it was you going to the ball game, you know. And then when the Dodgers moved out, I, he used to take me to Jersey City. Uh, to, mm. We went to Jersey City to see Montreal Royals, which was a Dodger farm team in 1959 or 60, when Castro took over Cuba. They, the Reds moved their farm team from Havana, Cuba, to Jersey City. So we had a AAA team. So we used to go to Manhattan and then take the Hudson Tubes across to Jersey City mm-hmm. and see the game. So we were we were baseball fanatics. Uh, and that is for sure. We oh, love going to. The guys, I you know, I, I love going to the game. I look forward to seeing Gil. Gil was there all the time. Campy, Reese, uh, uh, Robinson didn't come over. Jackie didn't come over. Ha, uh, Snyder was was not that good a guy. Perillo, Erskine, these were wonderful people. Wonderful people. They come over and they, Gil would pick me up and hold me, and then and then the rest of them they they five me, shake my hand. It, it was wonderful. It was just a different era growing up in the fifties with, with the Dodgers and the Giants and the, uh, and the Yankees. You know, it was unbelievable. So it's it, you. You said that your best recollection um, came in nineteen fifty three. No, what do you mean? My, my first or my best? Oh, got, yeah, uh, um, yeah, in terms of uh, a baseball memory. Well, I, I recollect fifty one. The end of 51, I was almost five years old. Then four and a half, five. Uh, 52, 53, 
uh, we still watch a lot of games on TV. And uh, 54 was it? I remember watching the Giants and then feeling bad that we weren't in the World Series. But I loved Dusty yeah. Rhodes. What a man he was, let me tell you. He won that. He was an MVP. He won that series. And that man lived in Staten Island years later. And then he moved out to Florida and in Vegas. I was in touch with him about getting autographs and stuff. What well, always included a, a lovely note, a nice note to, to, to me and say, uh, I sent him five card, four cards that you keep too. He said, no, nope, I'm sending them back. He said, I got so much stuff. He says, you're my fan. I want you to have them. What a nice mm. man he was. Bobby Thompson was another guy. Very nice. So I can't say bad about the Giants, but, you know, because they had some nice players, you know what I mean? Except Bobby Thompson mm-hmm. did cheat. I'm sorry. They did cheat. They had the binoculars going, and they, and they cheated with the light, you know. But, uh, you know, they, they knew what was coming. Hey, how do you make up 13 games against the Dodgers in their prime? You know? It's, yeah. Well, the the funny part about uh, of what you hear about the uh, the numbers um, in terms of it is, is that they you know they they obviously had an edge in terms of seeing the ball at home especially, um, but apparently their uh, uh, their pitching is what really got them into uh, into that the uh, the three game playoffs so over that stretch. Their pitching was absolutely phenomenal, and their hitter their hitting actually got worse. Oh yeah, they had some great pitches. Uh, they had Antonelli, Grissom. Uh, who was the other guy? Um, oh God, I, I can't think of all the pitches right now. But but they had some nice pitching. Yeah, I mean these these were championship teams. I mean these weren't. I mean they went up against Cleveland in the World Series and they beat them four games to nothing. Right. And Cleveland had one of the best pitching staffs in the majors. Hey, Bob Feller, Bob Lemon, Mike Garcia. You know, Raynard Naleski. I mean, they had all uh, I just, I just really quickly want to say to anybody listening live, you can catch the rest of the show uh, on the archives. Thanks for listening. And, and Bob, yep. we're still here uh, uh, recording, of course. Um, we, uh, we have a few more uh, moments. and uh, But, uh, yeah, continue. I would love to continue talking about the Giants. Yeah, the Giants, uh, we went to Polo Grounds a few times. One time we went to watch... Uh, one of, uh, I wanted to see Clemente play because he was a former Dodger bombhand. And uh, I said to my uncle, I'd like to see this guy Clemente play. And he said, sure, we went up to the polo grounds. And my uncle always drove. He never took the, he never, never liked taking the train. So we drove up to the polo grounds. And he was a cop, so he, he parked in, uh, he could park anywhere he wanted. You know, they had to <laughs> sign out. Oh, he worked there. He was, nobody was, he used to work there before that. So we go up. He worked there in the 40s. In the 50s, he was in the courts in downtown Elizabeth Street. But anyway, he uh, he took me to the game. And that day there, it was it was a nice. It was a really really nice day. I'm trying to think of the pitcher that was pitching. I it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of it. But it was a beautiful sunny day, and I think they were playing a doubleheader. And um, I'm pretty sure they were playing a doubleheader. And they had one of the best pitchers. It was a Bob friend. And then uh, for the Giants, I I can't think of who was going for the Giants. I really can't. But anyway, uh, I can't think of who won or lost the game. It was so long ago, you know what I mean? But the Polo Grounds was a, a definitely a, it, it, you could hit those. Center field, nobody could hit a home run. Right field, it was like 200 and what, 50-something feet, 57 yep. feet? 
left field wasn't much longer. So that home run in the overhang hit by Bobby Thompson with a three-run job that beat us in 51 wasn't a long home run. He just hit it in the overhang. In fact, at any other field, it was a five-ball to left field. Right. I mean, depending on where you were where you were playing, you know. And Yankee Stadium, I remember when going there to watch the Orioles play because I started rooting for the Orioles a bit in 57, 58. And I went there, and the pitchers used to warm up behind home plate, you know. Like, we always mm. go for a doubleheader, and every Sunday was a dub- doubleheader. And you see, like, Steve Barber warming up uh, uh, behind home plate with the Yankee pitcher warming up behind. They didn't go out to the bullpen back then to warm up for the game. Right behind home plate, they'd warm up for starters. And, uh, oh, there's a good story about me and my friend Rocky there. I was telling you about the guy with all the Mickey Mantle cards, Rocky mm-hmm. Galuzzo. We went to, we got on the train, went up there one day. We're like, at ah, 14, 15. And here we are. He's on one side of those. Remember those? Oh, you don't remember. You're too young. But they had posts <laughs> in Yankee Stadium that would block your view. The old Yankee Stadium, it would block your view, right? right? And mm-hmm. so we're looking on the posts in right field, waiting out there, because that's the best place to get a, a ball. We both had our gloves. And we're, we're watching and watching. And who's up at Maris? And this is around 61, 62. And, and all, all of a sudden, we're talking to, looking at each other. He's on one side of the post, I'm on the other. All of a sudden, we got scared to death. A ball went a little bit higher than we were, hit the post, and went bang. And, you know, when you're leaning against something, and a metal like that, it hits, scared the hell out of us. But we could have got mm-hmm. hit. We probably could have caught that ball. It was just a little bit high. We could have jumped up maybe. But here we are waiting for a foul ball, and we get distracted talking to each other, and boom, he hits a beautiful ball out there, and we couldn't catch it. Uh, but we had a lot. You know, the Dodgers now, the you know, it, the, the, the what do you call it, the, it, it, the um, thing in the Chase, not Chase, in City Field now, the um, front of City Field. Uh, they right, made the it facade. just like the yeah, the facade and the in in the inside part. They called that at, at Everett Field. They called it the um, the, the rotunda. Rotunda, that was so nice. The rotunda was so great. Oh, it was beautiful, really, really nice. You know, I got tickets in '47. I bought from somebody. I bought a whole load of them bucks. And do you know the Dodger fans were so good. I looked them up. I, I knew what they were. I, I, I put it on eBay, and I sold some of them, you know. But I years ago, this was. And so I put down, like, the first black pitcher pitched this game. That that thing went for, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks. Who knows? But mm-hmm. and others didn't go. They were educated. They were so educated. If it was a game that meant not that, not that much, but it was from 47, it still would go for 10, 15 bucks. It's a ticket stuff, right? But I, bought, yeah, I don't know how many I had, 20, say. But uh, they knew. There was none from game one, of course. But uh, that would have been beautiful. That would have been, I would have made a lot of money on that one. But anyway, <laughs> they knew the first black picture. They knew what happened in games. These people coming on eBay, they were so educated. Well, they looked it up with the computer today. I guess it's easy, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, it is remarkable. I mean, like, you know. Uh, you'd think, though, that I'd be able to narrow down what games you're talking about in terms of uh, the Dodgers and the Giants when you said that you couldn't remember who won or lost. 
except well, for the fact the that Dodgers, the Dodgers, no. the Dodgers and the Giants. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Dodgers and the Pirates was the one I was thinking of at the time. Oh, the, Do- the, the Dodgers, Dodgers and the Pirates. They, they played each other 22 times. Yeah, it was so many of them, 22 times. You know, yeah. this uh, he had taken me to the Polo. And I also went to the Polo Grounds to watch the Dodgers, too. But we preferred going to, to Ebbets Field because you had the characters out there. You know, you had mm-hmm. uh, the Dodgers Symphony, which was a band that couldn't really play. But they played. You know, they played there. They had the drum and they had the horn and they had everything else. And But, you know, they they had all these characters coming out. They had these uh, these young girls that used to be groupies coming out. They called them the Dodger Debs, some of them. They were like groupies coming out to see the players, you know. And they come out uh, to the field and it's your peewee addressing them. And they wear these mm-hmm. blue jackets with Dodgers on the back or peewee Reese on the back. They all had the, so, the photo. You're t- I know. I think, I'm pretty sure I know what photo you're talking about, and and it, it is very, very uh, a vivid, colorful photo. Yes, it's one of you know. It's back in first days of well, not the first days, but some in, in the fifties they still had a lot of black and white. Then you had that mm-hmm. uh, Hilda Chester. Hilda Chester was um, was uh, the woman with the uh, cowbell. The reason she had mm-hmm. the cowbell. She had to go in the hospital from yelling so much, and she had to get an operation. So she loved Leo DeRocha. That was her favorite, Leo DeRocha. So back in the early 40s, Leo went and bought her a cowbell because he didn't want her screaming so much and bursting blood vessels in her neck, you know. So she got that cat, that famous cowbell from Leo DeRocha. And then when Leo left and went to the Giants, the rumor was she went there with Leo because she loved him so much, even though she loved the Dodgers. She loved him so much. And you know that's one of the rarest autographs uh, from uh, anybody. Hilda Chester autograph. Hilda Chester, yes. <laughs> I got I got to take a look at that. So so um a lot of times uh, um. My name will be. Well, Dad. Right, maybe maybe. No, I was I was going to say that um. I do another podcast with uh, my Mets fan uh, uh, compadres uh, um, who, who uh, write on Rising Apple, and at the end of the show, we always have the last word. So I'm going to kind of, um, uh, along along with, uh, we love shameless plugs, so everybody should go to risingapple.com. Uh, I'm going to uh, kind of uh, combine the two, and, and I'm going to ask you, um, from, a Garrett, uh, from a Garrettson Beach perspective, for your last word, Bob. Garrison Beach was a wonderful, wonderful fishing village. We had a beautiful little beach down the end. Uh, and then they had another beach they, they built just for the little one, Kitty Beach, which is still there. The, the place is still a beautiful place to live. Great people down there. The houses are getting a little bigger. When I was there, they were smaller. But if you ever want to go out on a charter boat, go down to Garrison Beach. You'll enjoy the day. Uh, you want to go fishing, you go fishing off the docks down there. You won't believe this is Brooklyn. Between Garrison Beach and Sheepshead Bay, you won't believe this is Brooklyn. These are two little fishing villages in the heart of, uh, you know, uh, New York City. This New York City. People just, they, you know, people from out of town think New York City's big build, buildings and asphalt. It's not. You have you have the, uh, the water and the... Uh, and the you know, dirt and the weeds and everything else, just like you're out in New Jersey or Long Island or something, in Garrison Beach. It's really nice. 
So if you get a chance, go and see Garrison Beach. It's not far. Exit 9, Nat Street. Make a left. Go down Nat Street to Allen. Make a right. And then you, uh, uh, when you, when you, on, on Allen, you go down to Garrison Avenue, make another right, and go all the way to the end if you want. If not, turn down some of the streets, look around. It's a beautiful area. They got devastated by Sandy, but they're back. Uh, I got to take a look. I don't think I've ever been to Garrison Beach, and it's fantastic from you on it. Bob, uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate being here and talking baseball, Garrison Beach, or anything else you want. I love talking to Dodgers, and I hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, and thank you all for listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. Check us out Wednesday. We're going to talk with Ron Schweiger about uh, Robert Moses and the highway system in Brooklyn. And you know what? We're probably going to get a, a little bit of uh, some information from uh, – from Ron about Garrison Beach because Ron is, uh, he's the Brooklyn Borough historian after all. He's, he's uh, filled with information, so it's going to be fun. Uh, check us out soon on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, and thanks again, Bob. Have a good one. Thank you, Sam. Take care. Have a good holiday.